Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. If we want gender equality, we need to start thinking about it even before birth. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being our listeners, and thank you, too, for supporting our sponsors. Gender equity begins at home. Policies matter, of course, but not as much as parenting. Think about that for a moment. That's powerful. Gender equity starts at home, says today's guest, Dr. Shelley Vaziri-Flace. She is a pediatrician, a mom of four, including three boys, and she is also the author of a new book, Nurturing Boys to Be Better Men, Gender Equality Starts at Home. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you so much for having me today. In your book, you argue that parents, from the start, even before birth, if possible, and we know that everything doesn't always go according to perfect plan, really need to think and talk about gender expectations. Why? I I think that's so hard because when you're trying to keep a tiny human alive, I always laugh with the patients I see in my office. To get a driver's license, there's very regimented steps to be a licensed driver on the roads. To become a parent, you have a child and the hospital nurses and team hands you this infant and says, okay, good luck. And we all go home like, really? You trusted me with this? (laughs) Exactly. And I was a pediatrician when I started having kids. So you think I would have felt calm, but I felt it as well. So I think that part of why I was inspired to write this book is I see it in my practice. I've experienced it firsthand. We're so busy with the day-to-day that sometimes we lose sight of our big picture goals. And some of the things that we see within our own families, within society, generations, and the greater community. Basically, my book, I aimed to be a positive spirit can-do guide to think about things at ages and stages. Pediatrician brain here. I always think about everything in ages and stages. How can we make an impact? Births of five years is an amazing time to establish routines and open your kids' eyes and kind of counteract what they're going to see as they spend more of their time in the outside world. Just today, I became aware of a study that was released this fall from the PNAS Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. It's a peer-reviewed journal of the National Academy of Sciences. This study looked at U.S. and Chinese preschoolers and 
normalized household labor among gender lines was already happening for these preschool children. So sometimes when we think about gender equity, gender equality, we think about grownups and the workplace and adults. I'm a pediatrician. My slant is towards babies and young kids. Mm -hmm. And here we have a batch of three and four-year-old children who already are formulating ideas about how the greater world works based on what they're seeing in their home. I want to clarify the study because I've not looked at this one yet. So is the study showing that like three and four-year-olds in this study looked at both uh, China and the U.S., it sounds like, um, that three and four-year-olds were kind of doing different things based on boy or girl. Exactly. And parental roles within the household labor division of the workload. So dads were more likely to leave the home and go to work. And moms were more likely to do the cooking and the cleaning, which always cracks me up because when you look at chefs of restaurants with world acclaim, it's always men. (laughs) Clearly men can cook. We can cook as long as we stay home and don't make too big a deal of it. I got to say, I'm just a little confused, and maybe that's because I'm on Pacific time and you're on Central time, but that uh, brain isn't quite kicked in yet. So the study is saying that we are continuing this pattern of boys do certain things, girls do certain things. Is that what Correct. And I think that's the thing, like if we're not consciously being aware of it and counteracting it, that becomes our default setting. And so that's a big argument that I make in the book, not only amongst family members, extended family, but then your child spends more time outside of the home. By the time they're fifth, sixth grade, they've already got their friend groups. They're experiencing their friends, families. They're involved in youth organizations, youth sports, religious education. So they're starting to get it. Let's not forget the elephant in the room, media, screen time. It exists. should have said that first because in a post-COVID world, Sadly, that is where a lot of our children's influences are coming from. If we are not consciously working to balance it, then the default setting of the old ways of decades ago will fill the void. So I think it's an important thing for parents to be aware of, and it's doable. And that's the thing, because even in my practice, when I recommend a specific book for parents to read on infant sleep or whatever the issue Sometimes I get looked at like I have three heads because who has time to read a book? And so in that to that end, I look for things that are useful, actionable steps. And so that was the goal with the book. Like, okay, your child, you're pregnant. Read the pregnancy chapter. Here's some specific things to think about. Gender reveal parties, for example. That's a whole thing. It's caused how many forest fires from explosives yeah. gone wrong? Like maybe we don't need those. Maybe we realize we're having a human, not a boy or a girl per se. And so that's part of it, like not putting your son into a box. Um, Before you've even met him. Yeah. Amen. And so that was my goal. The parents are busy. Okay. Your child is a preschooler. Open up that chapter. What are some things that we should think about? Oh, the preschool call tree. The child has a fever in school. They can call dad first. Dad's working from home. Mom's on meetings all day. The child has a one-on-one temp. Call dad. It sounds, it's not rocket science. This is common sense. (laughs) We absolutely need to hear it. And it's so hard. You know, you live in this country, you practice in this country, uh, and and much of the world is the same. I mean, we just talked about, you know, that study included China. This problem's not really been solved in a lot of places, but specifically here in the United States, it's so ingrained in our culture that even if I feel like I want to shift things, 
I know so many parents, and you probably do too, Shelly, who have had that conversation with the school or with the childcare place multiple times. Do not call me. Do not call me. I'm traveling. I'm working. Dad is the at-home parent, and they still do it. Or, and what you just said hearkens to mind if you see a dad grocery shopping with a child in tow. Oh, what a great dad. Are we complimenting the women we see doing that? No, it's just expected. So yep. unless you're complimenting every woman you see shopping with a kid in tow, uh, and I mean, I, I don't mean to be not positive, but I'm glad you brought culture in, into this because my dad is from the Middle East, born and raised in Iran, came here for his medical training, met my mom, was going to go back, but stayed, obviously. So I'm half Persian and I witnessed, I have two older brothers. And, and so I'll speak for my own culture. There was a bit of the oldest boy is somewhat of a prince and household chores are beneath him and cleaning and asking to fit mm. in is beneath. And so it's funny because in many interviews I've said, well, as soon as I found out I was going to have three boys within 18 months, this bubbled up to percolated to the front of my mind. How would I raise them to be better men? But really, I think my childhood of observing that family dynamic woke me up because I know that I made conscious choices, even with my oldest son, to avoid that oldest prince syndrome. Sure. And again, sure. I'm not going to throw other cultures under the bus, but I can do it because I'm half person. <laughs> you can absolutely talk about your family experience. So I'm watching my daughter raise her son. And it's so interesting. Actually, just this morning, Bo was, had these little block crayons and he's stacking them and their cars. And now all of his food is a car. He's 18 months. Their cars. How did this even happen? It's crazy. My daughter and I are just looking at each other like, how is he doing this? They never did that. I raised two girls. There were never cars at the breakfast table. And I know enough about like your your family, your daughter and her husband, like they're not car crazy people. You know, there are some <laughs> people, right? There are some people where like, this is the family culture. And so from an early age, you're exposed to cars. That's not your daughter and her family. Oh, but here he is, you know, it's six o'clock in the morning and he's already doing the car thing. But I was taught, I was telling her that we were talking to you today and, and we were just musing about family roles. And I mean, I think they're pretty progressive. They are. And uh, dad works at home. He's got a home office. So he's around a lot. And yet those family roles still kind of fall along those lines. Although Bo knows how to vacuum and clean up his spills and cook and all the things. He loves the vacuum, by the way, but it's excellent. Yeah, and I appreciate like you saying, you know, tell the school to call the dad. And it just feels like we're pushing a rock uphill. It's just such a huge thing that we're trying to shift. It really is. And and the temptation is like, well, this is just how it is. But I would argue that we have to start somewhere. And, and I, clearly I, you are, right? I mean, <laughs> sure. Bo's turning everything into cars. You just said he loves the vacuum. And that's exactly it. I have no problem with cars. I have <laughs> heard Lightning McQueen's voice on so many road trips. I have that movie memorized. <laughs> and that's fine. It's it's all about nurturing your child's interests. So on the flip side of that, if Bo wants to play dress up or have a play kitchen, that's okay too. Like it's about nurturing the child as a whole human being mm -hmm. and not only nurturing the things that fall within gender lines. 
But it sounds like he's ready for one of those little handbags. Oh, yeah. One of the points that you make in your book, I think it was in the like the toddler preschool stage and maybe in both of them. I don't remember off the top of my head is yes, now is the time they want to do all the chores. They want to do dishes with you. They want to vacuum, take them up on it. Yes, it is going to take longer. Absolutely. Will it be clean to your standards? No, it will not. But if you don't get them involved and seize that when they want to, there is zero way, zero (laughs) percent chance that they're going to voluntarily say at age 12, I want to take on this thing that I've never done before. Amen. You have a window of opportunity, the eagerness, the team player aspect, and it's win-win because it's not just child labor. (laughs) Although let's admit it, those of us with four kids, we needed the help, but it's monopolizing on their eagerness, but then what a great self-esteem booster for kids this age. Just to have that puff of pride, like I did this, I helped. That's that's huge. And self-esteem is at the core of so many mental health issues, which is skyrocketed for our adolescents even before COVID hit. And it's even worse now. So any way that we can boost a child's self-esteem and then divvy up the household labor. That's great. A joke that I always make, and you can relate to this as a fellow mom of four, any tendency I might've had to helicopter parent or lawnmower parent in which you're you know, paving the path for your child no. was squashed when I had four kids within four years yep. as a working parent. I simply cannot do everything for everybody. So mm-hmm. I always joke that I have an easier job because we had this mod mentality in my house. And of course the kids are cooking. Of course the kids are cleaning because it wasn't like they had a mom who was available 24 seven to pick up the slack and arrange everything and pack the lunches. Yeah. Um, something came up on my social media memories. My kiddo was fifth grade. They were packing their own lunches and my son, my third born left a love note in his sister's lunch bag saying, have a great day. And I posted about it because of course it was coupled with parent guilt. Like I'm such a terrible parent. I didn't put a note in my kid's lunch, school lunch saying, I love you. Have a great day. But her brother did. So maybe that's even, even bigger win. That's such a great example of how we can be doing a fantastic job of parenting. Fantastic. Supporting kids, developing and burgeoning skills, autonomy, contributing to others, uh, helping others. And those are the things that develop true, true self-confidence. When you have that sense of competence that I am a a part of the system, that's where self-esteem really comes from. You can do all those things and still feel guilty that you're what? Not, not writing with marker on a Sharpie. It's ridiculous. These expectations that we put on ourselves and talk about gendered expectations. Exactly. Exactly. Shelly, I'm super curious because I'm school has started here and I'm working in the early grades, first, second grade at school. And, you know, this whole conversation about, yeah, we want them to vacuum. We want to, you know, call dad. But when our boys hit school, then it's the policing of each other. Oh, you can't do that because that's a girl thing. We'll talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. The peer-to-peer influences are huge. And to that end, I think media plays a large role because again, we as families might have the best of intentions, but put on any typical TV show, or if your child is exploring the world of video games, 
there's a lot of video games that at a young age, it's possible to network with other people playing mm-hmm. the game. Every family sets the rules for that. That's something that parents need to be eyes wide open. My advice on that, just to take it back three steps, is it's easier to open a door slowly than to open it wide up and then try to force it shut. To that end, media, video games, networking with other people that you don't know in real life, those are real dangerous territories. And in your example, you're talking about second grade kids. So Mm -hmm. to be clear, this will look different for different kids at different ages. Right. But the slower you open that door, the better. Because sadly, even in the gaming community, there's a lot of misogynistic undertones. There's there's a lot there in that world. So my feeling on that matter is that if they're not hearing it at home, they're hearing it from the media. To this end, in the book, we have media resources in each chapter. Common Sense Media is amazing. You're probably familiar, commonsensemedia.org. Say there's a big movie out in theaters and you're wondering, is this appropriate for my eight-year-old? You can look up the film and it's not just the outdated PGG rating. It basically says we recommend it for these ages because it contains this content. It gets pretty specific. And so to that end, there's also um, the Bechdel test, which you may have heard of where so many films are just about guys and then girls are the side piece. So I think that when second grade boys say things to each other, they're already absorbing those out side messages. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, some, a phrase that I became a fan of that applies to many situations. When I hear about these situations with my sons, I say at those ages, I would say, well, in our family, you know, X, Y, Z. The first step though, is to, as a parent to know what's happening, because how many times do kids come home from second grade, busy, overwhelmed, they might have homework or sports after, and they're just not eager to talk. And then parents are like, oh, boys are easy. They don't talk. And I would say, if you think boys are easy, you're doing it wrong because we want to get them to open up. We want to talk. So the best conversations happen when you're doing other things, having them help you shred vegetables for the salad, playing catch in the yard. Car is great because your eyes are on the road. It's not that confrontational eye contact thing. But I, I would argue to your point about the second grade boys policing each other, If parents are going to play a role in that, they first of all need to know that it's even happening. You mentioned media, and media is certainly a very powerful influence in all of our lives. And just in the time that I've been parenting kids, and I shared with you before we started, my oldest is 25, my youngest is 17. There have been some pretty meaningful shifts, and there's been a conscious effort to have more involved and active female leads. So girls can go on journeys. Hello, Dora the Explorer. Like my kids grew up watching Dora all the time. You know, the the move towards the more empowered Disney princesses. Like Disney princesses are not just waiting around in a tower anymore for somebody to come rescue them. And what I hadn't fully realized, you know, as a as a female, I'm cheering this all on. And what I hadn't fully realized until I started hearing things from other parents of boys is that some of our boys who have only been born in this era, they're getting the message that girls can be and do anything, but they're not. They're like, why are people not saying boys can do everything? And I've heard three parents recently of young boys where they had to have a literal discussion with their boys because the boys did not know that boys could be doctors. Because they'd only ever seen 
female pediatricians. That literally happened to a friend of mine who practices in a different part of the country. The child was six years old-ish and was like, oh, boys can be doctors too, because the entire practice was female pediatricians. Yeah. I think that falls under the category of allowing options for your kids. Yeah. And that would fall under the category of knowing, yes, it's an option for a boy to be a doctor. I have to say, after all these years, I love that that's a quote unquote problem because how many careers for how many decades did women think they simply couldn't do? My own mom. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts. E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. Mom felt when she graduated high school, her options were nursing or teaching or secretarial work. We talk about it all the time. She can't believe her daughter's a physician because she knew coming from a working class family in that baby boomer generation, it was not an option for her to pursue anything other than those three fields. Right. So... I, if that's our biggest problem, we're doing okay. 
What about your boys' experience going through school? And the reason why I'm asking this is because, you know, it is one thing, as Janet was saying, to we control more what goes on in our homes and in the world, that is for sure. And so I can be working to, you know, raise more uh, gender aware and equitable and you can do whatever you want. And then they get in school and, you know, statistically, boys do worse in school, are subject to um, harsher discipline for similar behaviors. And I'm wondering if this was an issue in your family at all. Did your boys ever comment on any of this? And maybe not, but I'm just curious. More on gender expectations and their impact after these words from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash envoys. That's Try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. I think the biggest place I saw the impact um, when I saw that our family was operating differently than other families and what society expected um, was youth sports. Okay. I felt like that was a realm in which there were conversations 
um, even at the high school level, some of the sports teams, peer-to-peer conversations, conversations, but even at younger ages, the things the coaches would say to the young male athletes were not necessarily the best for keeping our gender equity goals in mind. I think you could be harsher than that if you wanted. I mean, (laughs) I heard all kinds of, you know, Right up to a six-year-old who's who happened to be looking at a dandelion in the outfield. Like he's six and nobody hits to the outfield when they're six. My youngest um, is still running high school cross country. There was a meet Saturday and they run boy, girl, boy, girl. And the boys freshman, sophomore race was finishing and I'm approaching because my daughter's race was about to start. And I heard a male voice from a mile away was screaming at the freshman or sophomore runner He's right in front of you. Catch him, catch him, catch him. Just as if, you know, lives were on the line. And that's great. Be enthusiastic. But I just thought as I'm trying to hustle and make my daughters start to her race, like, wow, we are, that's a freshman in high school. Like, I did not realize this was a life or death situation. But to, I can get a little bit more meaty because I started out a little bit more generic. One of my boys in college, when he was able to find his people a little bit better, made some realizations about his sports teammates in high school. We had a lot of deep conversations about it because part of it was you come home for winter break and various school breaks, summer, and the old crowd wants to get together. Mm -hmm. And it was the realization that they were doing things that he didn't necessarily want to be a part of, didn't agree with. And so it wasn't something that was realized in the moment. And it was Mm. things that I didn't even know as a mom until years later. But then to have, you know, to emotionally digest it and discuss it was super meaningful. And I feel like I learned a lot. I mean, parenting, we've said this, it's so humbling and I'm learning so much from these kids. And I do think Gen Z is so much further ahead. I feel like Gen Z, there's certain things when it comes to gender that our generations are like, oh, that's new. And they're like, whatever. (laughs) It's not even a thing for them. I mean, there is progress being made, being a baby (laughs) boomer here. You know, there's definitely been a lot of progress in that area. Our kids do take it less seriously, or it's just Mm -hmm. a part of their normal, natural world. And I think a little bit of my book, my own sons look at it and they're like, yeah, they're not impressed. Well, part of that is because our kids just have this fantastic <laughs> quality of being utterly unimpressed with us <laughs> at these ages. Like I'm told that shifts when they hit about 40. Like we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Janet, when does it shift? Katie's 36. Could I say she's impressed with me? I don't know. about that. But Yeah, you can. You're helping yeah. with the baby waking up at night. Yeah, she's impressed <laughs> with you. Yes, she is. She has said that I have saved them and I'm very humbled to do that. But yeah, I mean, it will shift. They, when they mature, they'll see what amazing things you've done in your life. Jen, you know, you've written a couple books, Shelly, pediatrician, come on. And she raised the four kids. Like it's all of it. Um, Hopefully the information as we move forward becomes redundant. I would be very happy if the information in my book became obsolete because it means that we achieved our goals. Right now we're not there yet. And Janet, I know that you run across this in uh, your parenting coaching. So many of us run across it in our own families and our own lives as women who have traditionally had the bulk of, you know, housework and childcare dumped on us, both for 
some biological reasons. I mean, like when I was breastfeeding my children, that was something only I was doing at that point in time. There's all the cultural stuff. We know that. Okay. I want my sons to have a broader lens, to be more involved with housework and childcare and to take responsibility for those things. I recognize that screaming at him, you know, man up or boys don't cry is not helpful. And yet sometimes our male partners, our male, other people in the family, uncles, cousins, grandfathers are not on board with that. What do you say to, let's face it, gender, mostly it's still moms who pick up the parenting books and read them. So what do you say to the moms who pick up your book and are like, yes, and then they go to talk to their partner and it's, let's just say, not the reception they were hoping for. Amen. And I've been asked in a few interviews and some of the PR items say, this is a great book for moms to read. And I always bristle at that because boy, dads can read. And I always fast forward. And if my sons choose to become parents, I want them to be full equal partners, not just babysitters. We're definitely up against decades of patterns in terms of extended family that can be tough. When you were talking about grandparents, uncles, my mind sprung to Thanksgiving, special occasions, holidays, birthdays. When you think about the pre-planning stages, the food prep, the cleanup, it usually falls on the female family members, even the arranging of the date and the logistics. Mm -hmm. Um, I married into a family that as soon as we were married, I was asked all the questions about going to out-of-state reunions. And I always thought, ask your brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's he's your brother. But somehow it was up to the females. And so that's going to be a lot of work. So it's something I point out in the book, just in terms of daily occurrences, special occasions, who's doing the planning, just making sure, like, fine, if the females are the ones cooking, great. But then the guys, none of this, you know, relaxing, digesting, watching football on the TV, like help with the cleanup. Mm -hmm. Or make it so that it's more balanced. And you're going to get pushback with that. You also will be pleasantly surprised by older family members saying, oh, I never thought of that. Or you're right. So I think instead of assuming you're going to be met with um, resistance, I think that there's going to be even male voices saying this is a good thing. There's the place as you're talking, I'm thinking about a current uh, client of mine who has four four children, four boys, a set of twins. And we were talking about, you know, the boys need to be doing their laundry by now. And for her, she's like, no, I'm, I'm still doing the laundry because when I am folding clothes, I am watching my girl shows. And that's her time to just relax and, you know, do the thing and have that opportunity to watch her shows that nobody else in the house wants to watch. So there's a little place in all of this that I think about the necessity to let go. My daughter loves to cook. Her and her sister, Thanksgiving is like, you know, months ahead of time planning the menu. That's a joy for them to do that. And sure, they might ask everybody else, what do you want? So there's that place of, okay, where are we willing as females to let go of some of Mm. those things? Or share it with the men in our lives. When you were talking about love and cooking, I'm obsessed with food. It's a life skill. We all need to eat. My 21-year-old was home for a week before heading back to campus this fall. And for fun, he made Venezuelan arepas. It was the best thing ever. It, it just, we had some ingredients. He had to run to the store to get a couple things. 
And to be clear, he's not making a rape us every week, but he was kind of in between work and the onset of classes. And it was a time to just be silly. And, and I just think what a great gift that you don't have to go to a restaurant to get good food. You can find a good recipe online and, and run with it. And so when you were talking about laundry and the four boys, including twins, my brain just thought life skills, freshman year of college, life skills, freshman year of college, because we all know freshmen in college who were like, oh, how do you do laundry? I was so shocked by that because I mean, even growing up, I grew up, uh, we're probably similar age, Shelly. Like I grew up in the eighties and we didn't have a particularly progressive family. My dad is still very old school. Like my sister and I joke, there are things we can't do because we don't have a penis. But we all knew how to do laundry. I was utterly unprepared to see so many people in the laundry room absolutely confused, didn't know what to do. Exactly. I went to college in the 90s and the first month of school, there were so many people like, what do you do? And so that was actually something I brought with me to my parenting. By the time I had my oldest doing his own laundry, I realized I had already waited too late. And so my younger kids progressively started sooner. And part of it, I talked about the mob in my house it was out of necessity because he'd want a certain shirt for school or a sport, but then mom hadn't done laundry. And I'm like, guess what? That's your job. Like if you want a certain shirt on Thursday, then we can do the math. And that's something for you to big picture plan. on. I think that is exactly why all of my boys without me doing anything took over doing their own laundry because I'll, I mean, I will wash the clothes, right? I'll wash the clothes, but am I going to make sure that you have a certain shirt the day you want to wear it? Hell no. Sorry. I've got better things to do than that. And I think we need to lower our standards too, because folding. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes my kids have their clean, the hamper of clean clothes, and then they get dressed from that. Is that the end of the world? They're clean clothes. Here's a laundry story. One of my kids, well, a couple of them when they were younger, but one played baseball all the way through high school. If you have like a baseball player, a football player, lacrosse, maybe even soccer. First of all, one of the things you learn is that nobody should ever make white uniform pants. That is the stupidest (laughs) thing. And yet they are still so common. White uniform pants to play baseball. This is ridiculous. My kid... He goes all out. He slides for the ball. He dives for catches. So, you know, we're talking grass stains. We're talking ground in dirt. And we're also talking a kid who, even from the time he was little, like my rule always, if you put the clothes in the hamper, when I do laundry, I will wash them. You don't put the clothes in the hamper. I am not hunting them down in your room. I don't have time for that. Now we're in high school. He's got the white pants. Everybody else, Shelly, everybody else out on that field, every game has damn near immaculate pants and the moms around me on the bleachers are talking about the you know stain removal techniques that they use and my kid looks like the one whose mom doesn't care because we still live in this world where this is assigned as the woman's labor Mm -hmm. and like I tried not to let it get to me and I'm like I'll be honest secretly I'm judging these other moms like let your own kids handle this stuff why is it your job whatever My kid, I think he went the whole season without washing those pants. I am not joking. He is now 23. He's playing co-ed softball with his dad now in the fall. He's still wearing a pair of white practice pants that he had in high school. They're still absolutely filthy. They're stained. I can't believe that they're still holding up. And I mentioned this the other day. There's part of him still that at 23, and I think he was joking, but I also think he was serious. Like, 
wishes his mom cared enough to go in his room and get his clothes and scrub them clean. And I'm like, Ty, I had other things to do with my life. And look at how independent you are. You know how to do this stuff. I have zero regrets about it, but that is what it takes too. Sometimes it takes the discomfort of sitting there and having the kid who looks like nobody cares about him. That ship had already sailed. And I would say, and you can say this having young adult kids, scenarios, ups and downs in college. There's been so many examples where I'm glad I let you figure things out while you were still under my roof, because here you are on your own. And there's so many situations, there's like drama. And I find out later because they handled it. And and certainly we have a relationship where if they need help, they call mom. Of course. But there's been situations that they handle it because they've been equipped to do so. They have plenty of experience doing so. The mom guilt at the sports event brought to mind. I work in medicine as a pediatrician. We have Saturday hours, we have weekend hours, we have calm. I remember there was a high school swim meet on a Saturday and a couple of the moms were texting saying, where are you? Mom guilt, right? You feel guilty because your son's pants look different. I then am like, I'm at work. It's, It's so hard. And the pressure that that female upon female pressure. Yes, that's a real thing. We talk about gender equity and you would think at face value, it's coming from men. It's very much imposed female to female. Yeah. And so I think just to wake up, it's 2023. I think we've learned better. Sometimes we're so in it that we can't see beyond the dirty baseball pants and the missed swim meet. Coming up, there's hope and encouragement after these messages from our sponsors. Let's give our listeners some hope here because (laughs) you have such a unique perspective. At one point, you had four children under the age of four. You had a three and a half year old son. You had twin two year old boys. You brought home this newborn daughter. Like that is as in the thick of it. And I just met you, but I imagined that those years were challenging. I imagined there was plenty of bickering and arguing and loudness and chaos and all those years. And you raised kids, you know, all the doubt you experienced. And you know, there are times when you wonder, like, are they ever going to turn out to be decent humans? And especially because I'm raising boys, like, are they still going to want to talk to me when they're out and about in the world? You've got young adult sons now. Tell us. I have to say it's as a pediatrician, I love all the ages and stages as a mom, all of the stages were fun. I, there's a couple months I'd probably want to pass over. I think toilet training was a really big thing. I really thought that my sons would go to high school in diapers. Oh my gosh. You, you could have had three toilet training at damn near the same time. I'm happy to say that I haven't wiped the butt in years. But um, I think that to see the evolution of the relationship, somebody way smarter than me, I read this somewhere and I try to think about it a lot. By the time your kid is 12 years old, they already know your opinion over everything under the sun. And so there needs to be a shift in which you talk less and you listen more. And I really tried to abide by that, even when my kids were finishing junior high and high school. And I think that that kind of forms the um, basis, the foundation for an ongoing adult relationship. Mm-hmm. There's this feeling that teenagers don't want to talk and don't want parents involved. Yes, it's true that peer influences take greater priority. They still want to know that a parent is a bedrock and available. 
Mm -hmm. I even see it with my high school senior. She'll be having tons of homework. I know that she's more at peace when I'm like working in parallel on my own projects. We're not necessarily talking, but if she needs me, I'm there. Yep. And so, and that goes, and she just happens to be a girl, although I always joke that she's the toughest of all four of my kids. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity to think that, oh, my, my teenager, my 16 year old, they've got their license, they've got job friends, they still need you. And so to remember that that's that final launch pad before they burgeon out into the world, I think that it's a beautiful thing. And no, I don't want to go back to toilet training. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not sure there's anyone who would, but nope. <laughs> I think our I, you are spot on with that, Shelley. Our kids in high school, they may not look like it, but they need us more than ever. Thank you so much for this conversation. Tell our listeners where they can connect with you. And of course, they'll be able to find your book everywhere. You can buy books. Um, I have an author page on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, just posted that study that we referenced earlier about American and Chinese preschoolers already forming their ideas about household labor. And I'm excited to be part of this important ongoing conversation. Dr. Shelley's book is Nurturing Boys to Be Better Men, Gender Equality Starts at Home. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed and found value and encouragement in this conversation with Dr. Shelley. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being our listeners. Thank you, too, for supporting our sponsors. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.